Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Get Growing. I'm Gary Folio, your host, along with Bob Dodds from the Lee County Extension Office. And um, September has uh, come in, and it's almost, well, we're in our second week already. And uh, I guess the word of the day is Rodeo Parade. Rodeo Parade. And we'll see all of you up there in a few minutes. That's right. And Iowa, Iowa State. There you go. Big football game today, I Any think. Any predictions, Robert Bertram? Oh, right. yeah. I exactly. just saw Robert over to, over last weekend. And, Did uh, you? Yeah. How's Robert? Doing well. Great. And, uh, good. Good. Him and his wife were down here and for Labor Day. And oh, so my we're goodness. We're always glad to have the Bertrams back in the area. And uh, so now the big game. That's right. And uh, I are there any bets or anything going on? Anything you got? Uh, cooking, you nah. trading uh, rhubarb for asparagus or anything? Yeah, that's. <laughs> I like that. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, you and I kind of sobered. <laughs> was kind of a uh, was about all that we could muster last weekend, and so and of course Iowa. They even in the rainstorm, they kind of walked away with everything. It seemed like up in the Iowa City area. So, I think we're going to be a little quiet. That's what happens when you incorporate these uh, Keokuk kids? I know, and you know it's it's fun, isn't it? Great to have uh, it is just to just it wonderful. Is. Whether it's the Iowa State team or the Iowa team, it's always great to have our local young people playing on those teams. It's it's just a real real privilege to, uh, and it makes and when it, they both have stellar seasons, that just makes it that much better. And don't forget right. our Panthers over there, you and I. Exactly, too. they're just having a great year, and uh, even though it was. Close and Iowa State won. I think that game could have gone either way very easily, but uh, so we hung on for the hung on for the win. Um, I know we got a lot of things to talk about, but I was kind exactly. of driving around through uh, some of the country roads the other day, saw some really nice um, sets of beans. Yeah, and then I saw some not so nice. Exactly, and boy, rainfall has just been so spotty this past year, and so. We're really encouraging. Uh, well, we've actually we've had a couple of test plots that we harvested this past week. Uh, moisture content on some of that really early planted April corn, which was unusual to see that corn planted early because it was so wet, of course, Gary. But um, down in the 17, 18 percent moisture content. This happens to be some corn down in the Keokuk area on some very, very good soils with lots of underground uh, moisture, and the yields were pretty pretty respectable. On really? It. Yeah, okay. not too bad. I thought we kind of looked at some smaller kernels. Yeah, and, and we will. And we will. That was the best of the best. Had quite a, we had a few farmers even calling about uh, harvesting some soybeans for hay, so that kind of gives you a feel for all over the all over the board. It's going to be that way, and uh, we're going to, have to take a break here. Word from our sponsors. We'll be back with Let's Get Growing. They say that an apple a day keeps the doctor away, which is why you may want to consider planting apple trees. I'm here at the Iowa Arboretum with Paul DeMoto from ISU, and Paul, tell us more about growing apples. Well, growing apples could be quite rewarding, but yet a challenge to uh, get off. You know. Uh, improve your chances. Uh, it's having a site that's well exposed to sunlight and a well-drained soil is real important. Uh, once we've planted, now we have to prune them uh, to get the proper shape and then uh, in three, four years maybe we're going to see some fruit. When we do that, when we start seeing fruit, now insects and diseases 
we uh, become a challenge. And one of the ways we can avoid some of this is by planting disease-resistant varieties. Now, what are some varieties that do well here? Well, there's several varieties. Uh, Red Free is an excellent quality one that comes in in first of August. And then later in August, we have Dayton, uh, Pristine, Williams Pride. September, we run into the um, John of Free and Liberty. And then we round out the season with Enterprise and Gold Rush in October. Now, how do you know when it's time to be picked? Well, in judging the maturity, we don't really want we don't want to look at the red color. We want to look at the background color, and, the, and by black background color, we mean the uh, the green, the chlorophyll changing to a yellow shade. And this is a much better indicator of maturity. And the final indicator is really to bite into it and taste it, taste it for its characteristic varietal flavor. That sounds like a great tip to me. Thanks. And if you'd like more information on apples, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gilman. Armstrong Small Engine in Donaldson brings you this important message from SEF, a division of VP Racing Fuels. Avoid ethanol in your two-cycle engines whenever possible. Armstrong Small Engine wants you to know that alternative fuels like E20 and E85 can void some manufacturer's warranties. Ethanol attracts moisture into your engine. This can cause poor performance and premature deterioration of your gaskets, fuel lines, and carburetor. With SEF, small engine fuels, you can avoid ethanol-related issues. SEF offers pre-mixed fuels for two-cycle engines. SEF offers 94-octane, 50-to-1 mix ratio, and zero ethanol. Pre-mixed means you open, pour, and go. SEF also takes the worry out of long-term storage with a two-year shelf life in the can or in the machine. Learn more about SEF, a division of VP Racing Fuels, and their two- and four-cycle engine fuels at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson on Highway 218. SEF is for use in small engines only, not approved for on-the-road use. Box elder bugs like to make their presence known about now, and well, bug ya. I'm here at Ryman Gardens with Donald Lewis from ISU, and Donald, tell us more about box elder bugs. Well, the box elder bug is actually one of the best-known insects, and it's also one of the most hated because of what they're doing right now, and that is migrating from the trees where they have spent the summer to the side of your house. Now, they're not smart enough to predict that winter is coming, but in response to shorter days and cooler temperatures, they do what they have always done, even before there were houses out here on the prairie. They would move to rocks and brush piles and tall grasses and weeds, and they would hide in those protected locations to spend the winter. And that's what they think they're doing when they get to your house, but of course, they get on inside and find it warm, so they remain active all winter long. Mm -hmm. Which brings up the million-dollar question, how do you get rid of them? Well, for those that are already inside, the vacuum cleaner is probably your best approach. But while we've still got time, we can prevent entry by some of the box elder bugs. And number one is sealing up all the cracks and gaps that you can think of, the possible places where they get in. And this is easier said than done, and I can tell you, even if you're perfect, they will still find a spot that you missed. <laughs> number two, use an insecticide if you think it's warranted, and you can use a residual insecticide from garden centers and hardware stores on the siding of your house. Apply that according to label directions. If you've got a lot of time on your hands and need a new hobby, one of the things you can do is spray the massing box elder bugs with soap. And you just mix dishwashing detergent in water and then spray it on them, and that will kill the ones it hits. has no residual. There will be more back tomorrow. So you have to keep at it. Keep at it. All right. Well, thanks for the tips, Donald. And if you would like more information on box elder bugs, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. 
And we're back with Let's Get Growing. want to welcome everybody back to uh, the show uh, each Saturday morning at 720. And we want to thank our sponsors. If you get an opportunity to uh, stop in one of the the sponsors, let them know how much you appreciate them sponsoring this Gate City Seed. And Keokuk's been with us a long time. KSB Insurance are new this year, along with KSB Bank and Keokuk, and they're both sponsors. Phelps Insurance and Donaldson. Our good friends out there at Armstrong Small Engine and Donaldson and uh, uh, Jim's Greenhouses in uh, in uh, Montrose there. So we want to thank uh, thank the sponsors uh, for uh, sponsoring the show each week and, and letting us bring this to you. Appreciate your comments and questions and uh, and really enjoy it when uh, we're out doing a little shopping or something. Somebody comes up and tells us how much they appreciate the show or. Right. Or have some uh, uh, questions or uh, even answers. We, That's we exactly enjoy that right. too. That's answers right. are really good. Sometimes we don't even know what the question is. But That's right. That's right, Gary. Well, we've been really busy this last week. And let me, let me, if I may, Gary, just kind of share a lot of odds and ends today because I think uh, – that's the kind of time of the year, you know, we're kind of cleaning up some of the gardens that uh, some were successful. Many uh, were, um, it was a tough year. Let's just be honest about it. Uh, but the raised beds really shine. an understatement. Oh, my goodness, goodness. Um, a couple of things, though. This is the time of the year not to give up, please. Um, this is the time of year that we really want to make sure and control some of those weeds uh, that we prefer not to have. Um, uh, go to seed because once they go to seed, that means that we're going to be fighting them. It's going to be a challenge all of next year and maybe even the next year and many years to come. Hard to believe, but uh, some of these amaranth, some of the pigweeds will have as many as a million seeds per plant. So when we let one of those escape from us, we have just added to the seed soil bank or the, the soil seed bank. Excuse me, I'll get that right. For a lot of years to come. And some of these actually, black nightshade and some of the cockleburrs can stay in the soil and not germinate and still have a viable seed for up to 99 years. Oh so a lot of those we want to make sure and clean up and, and get rid of. And the same way with if we had some tomato plants, and of course maybe we weren't terribly successful though. Uh, successful with them in the same way with cucurbits or cucumbers and the squash. I want to make sure and kind of clean them up and get rid of them because they really can be a, a source of disease for next year and we want to make sure that they uh, do not cause us problems. I mean, even if they weren't very productive this year, we want to make sure and get rid of them for next year. It will just make um, us that much more successful. So doing some good housekeeping and house cleaning is a good idea. Lots of questions, and we've spoken a lot about grasses and seeding grasses, but this is truly the time of year that it's a good idea to do some of that reseeding. I have to say, though, this year the ground has been so dry and and moisture has been difficult to come by that we may want to wait for a couple of rains before we seed. We can wait till about the 1st of October and still be successful. We want to get it seeded before we get into that killing frost that we normally see in November. We can see some in October, but usually it's November. We want to make sure and get that grass well established before we go into that winter kill. We'll water it pretty good because some of the oh. cracks would hold a lot of seeds. Oh my. I think, we, you know, I had some questions this last week. You know, some of us. Yeah, exactly. I dropped my keys a couple of <laughs> went in one of the cracks, and I, I had a heck of a time. I thought you were going to tell me you dropped your car. In one. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, it is. It's the just... key went right down there, and, I mean, it was down about 
three inches. Luckily, I you know had the little fob on the end, <laughs> but it went right in one of those fissures. It is just amazing. It truly is. I mean, we really have a long ways to go. We've talked a lot about subsoil moisture mm-hmm. and how important it is, and we've got uh, you know. Be careful what you wish for. We're not kidding. We could probably end up mudding this corn crop out, but uh, hopefully the weather pattern does change and we start to pick up a little bit of moisture just to soften up the soil and to make it a lot easier to do some seeding Mm. and also to get ready for next year's crops. That's that's for sure. Well, we're talking about crops. I'm gonna. I want to talk a little bit about some of the questions we've had this last week. Well, let me finish up and just simply say, if you've planted some new trees too, please don't overlook them. Um, It's really, really critical that we continue to water these newly planted, whether they're fruit trees or ornamental trees or landscape trees. We want to make sure and water them right on up until the ground freezes. This last week, because it has been so dry, we've been adding anywhere from 10 to 20 gallons per tree per week, and I think that's working out pretty nicely. It's not important that you keep the ground moist. It's important that we do some watering and deep watering so that we get this soil or the water down into the root zone. So do uh, do make sure that we are um, doing some watering. Some questions uh, this last week about powdery mildew, and we always talk a lot about that, and we're still seeing the effects of August, actually, with the high humidities and the high temperatures. Many of the lilacs and many of our hydrangea and other plants that are susceptible, I guess hollyhocks would fit into that category as well. We are seeing a lot of powdery mildew on those plants. I'm not saying that we won't do some damage to those but I do believe that once we get back to some rain, get back to some clear, lower humidities, I think those those conditions will will straighten up and we will not need to use any fungicides. We have seen a fair number of, of spider mites on some of our landscape plants, and that's where you kind of get that copper tone color to some of those leaves. Also, especially we're seeing this on mostly uh, legumes, but... Some of our ornamentals are really showing some spider mites. And again, the best trick to seeing if you have spider mite problems is to maybe take that leaf and shake it over a white piece of typing paper. Or if you're seeing a lot of, um, how do I want to say, a lot of webbing, uh, that's another indication. And of course, we're really concerned about spider mites on the arborvitae. That can be a concern to us, but also, as I mentioned earlier, some of our uh, landscape plants uh, can do some can be damaged because they are. It is so dry that any sap feeding uh, spider mites love to feed on the sap of the plant, and of course, that puts a lot of stress on these ornamental plants as well. This is a good time. Fall's still a good time to do some transplanting, uh, do some dividing, but again, it's going to take quite a bit of moisture to keep keep the ground moist and get those plants off to a good start. We want to make sure and do it soon enough before we get to a killing frost that they have a chance to to recover and get some sort of a root system established. But again, it's going to require quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of uh, watering this this year, especially with the dry weather conditions. We talked a little bit about harvest. We got started with corn. One of the things that I can see, I think it is going to be, as we talked about in the past couple of weeks, it is definitely going to be a dry or uh, early harvest this year, right. and farmers are going to want to be really careful uh, about uh, the harvest this year. So make sure that you have your grass blower or the weed, uh, whatever you use to clear the driveway. Those work really nicely on these combines to kind of keep the debris from building up on the combines and causing some problems with fire. 
make sure that the fire extinguishers are are filled up, make sure that the bearings are working properly. A hot bearing can really cause some problems as far as having some hot points on that combine and can really cause some, some, uh, can, can be a potential fire hazard. Um, I think the yields are going to be like you mentioned, Gary, just about everywhere. I I think it's going to depend so much on soil type, whether or not you were fortunate to pick up that half of inch of rain that no one else picked up. Or or inch of rain, but all that it's going to make a, a huge big difference. Well, we difference. had kind of a wet spring, so if you were able to plant in between early. the right. yeah, plant early. Those fields right. that were planted early, they look pretty good. They do. They really do, and they and they seem to pollinate and to get through that hot spell that we had in July in very very good condition. Uh, we had some cool temperatures there that first week of July, right. and. Uh, and we were fortunate. It was about the second, third, fourth, and then on into August that we just set those record high temperatures. But if you were fortunate enough to um, pick up some, well, to plant early and to pick up some rainfall, I think you might have a, a pretty good year. Um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the Shimmick Forestry Field Day. Of course, that's on October 4th. This year, we're very fortunate to have a grant. Um, so the first 150 people, they contact the Lee County Extension Office. They may uh, attend for no cost. There is usually a registration fee of $15, but again, we have a small grant or a grant that's going to help us uh, with that, uh, help people to attend for no cost. I want to talk a little bit about the Shimmick Forest. I'd like to talk a little bit about the agenda as well. And then we've got some a great reference that people are going to want to look up on the Internet and uh, it is just absolutely fantastic. But we just sent the press release out uh, this week. We've already got some people signed up for Shimmick. And again, our Forestry Field Day will be on October 4th. And we'll start at 8 o'clock and we'll be in Donaldson. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break here. A word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Let's Get Growing. This is Cindy Haynes with the Garden Calendar Minute. Want a tasty BLT this winter? It all starts with a tasty tomato. You can extend your season of garden-fresh tomatoes by harvesting the green tomatoes at the end of the gardening season. Harvest the mature, full-sized tomatoes when frost is imminent. Only the best will do for ripening indoors, so select firm, light green, defect-free fruit. Clean and dry the fruit and wrap each one in newspaper. Place each wrapped tomato in a single layer in boxes or on shelves in a dark location that stays cool. Around 55 to 60 degrees is ideal. The tomatoes will ripen periodically throughout the next couple of months. Check them frequently to remove any that are beginning to color or any that are beginning to decay. Bring those that are starting to show color into warmer areas to finish ripening. And remember to smile while enjoying one of your garden-grown tomatoes when it's snowing outside. For Iowa State University Horticulture Extension, I'm Cindy Haynes. Well, down at Gates AC Company, got a couple things going on here and uh, pretty close to grass seeding time. And, uh, of course, Gates AC does the best selection. We can match anything you want. We got the best prices. We really do. And we have the equipment to put it on with free. So see us at Gates AC for your grass seed planting needs. And uh, just got back from a garden show. We've got so much neat stuff coming in. You really have to check us out. And uh, this is Dave's last rain dance. I'll I do guess one more. Gonna be he's going to do one more rain dance for us. Woohoo! All right. So uh, come down and see us at Gate City Seed, 824 Main Street in Keokuk. 
KSB Bank has been in existence since 1868, proudly serving our customers. We have strong roots and a history of providing excellent service to generations. So if you need banking products and services, stop in at one of our four convenient locations and let our dedicated employees work with you to start your money growing. KSB Bank, member FDIC. Strength you can bank on now and in the future. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. I want to wish everybody a happy Saturday. Parade day, Fort Madison rodeo going on, a lot of traffic. Exactly. Please be careful. That's right. Horses. Uh, everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and uh, just remember that those animals can be spooked. So That's right. Let's be careful when we're driving around them and uh, we come up on them. Try not to slam on the brakes and skid or anything like that that would startle them. It's not worth getting somebody hurt. That's exactly right. What do we got? You're, you're thumbing through the book there. I see I, the pocket book out. It is just a great little book, and um, it's um, a book that goes all the way. It was called The Farmer's Handbook, and I happened to find this. I was cleaning out some things the other day, and it goes all the way back to 19, 19 I believe, 83. And it was just really interesting to look through, actually, 82, I guess. Um, but it was just really interesting to look through all the different charts and water requirements for livestock. I think I think what we're going to do, Gary, is just have this reprinted and brought up to date, make it available through the say, Lee County Extension Office. I was going to say, if it was 1983, Office. I don't think the animals had any problems with water in 83. No, that was, that was, <laughs> uh, that was quite a year, too, as that well. Was. That was the first year I started with Extension, and I, I remember that year pretty well. So, yeah. Well, we better get back to work. I just thought I'd bring that in and uh, share that with you and how much has changed in agriculture in the last, my goodness, 30 years, I guess 30-some years. And uh, it's just really really interesting to look through it um, and all the changes that have taken place. But Shemek Forestry Field Day, we're going to celebrate our 36th year at uh, the Forestry Field Day. And this year is going to be just a little bit different. We're going to actually start with registration bright and early at 8 o'clock. We're going to meet at the community room in Donaldson at the Pilot Grove Savings Bank community room. And uh, Dr. Paul Paul Taki will be down from the Iowa DNR. Paul's head of the uh, Department of Forestry through the DNR. We're going to talk a little bit about the Conservation Reserve Program, which is a program that's very interesting, set up by the Iowa legislature to encourage people to keep land in timber and... uh, and uh, to do that, uh, you can take those lands off the, the wooded acres, off the uh, uh, tax rolls. And um, and a uh, very, very good program. And uh, one that, uh, again, really encourages people to particip- keep land in woodlands and not to clear it. Then about 10 o'clock, 9.30, we'll leave from Donaldson. We'll head out to Lick Creek. Um, the Lick Creek area of Shimmick Forest, and we'll have our first session. We're going to talk a little bit about insects and diseases that we're seeing in trees. And this year we're going to take a look and focus on one particular species, and I think I mentioned this last week, but we're going to talk a little bit about white oak, break for lunch, then come back in the afternoon. We'll have some great demonstrations by Steve Armstrong, Armstrong Small Engine, and um, also um, we're going to do some sh- share some some plot work where we show how to do some tree pruning, how to do some tree thinning, and how to encourage those high-dollar uh, trees that we want to grow for lumber and for other uses as well. 
And then we're also, over the noon hour, going to talk a little bit, uh, while we have lunch, we're going to talk a little bit about the Conservation Reserve Program and also prices of full timber. And um, Ronnie Fullenkamp will talk a little bit about um, the Iowa Woodland Growers Association. So I think we have a full day planned. And again, if you're one of the first 150, you can attend for free. So we think it's a great deal. So, What an incentive. It is. Um, it's just a, you know, we have a person that really believes or really feels strongly about um, woodlands, and they just said, hey, Bob, we'll just take care of the first 150 people. And so that was really generous of them. And so when gonna, was uh, Shimmick Forest established? I love it. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. You know, we take that so, so many things we take for granted, and we just, you know, we're used to the Mississippi, and we're used to the railroads, and we're kind of even getting used to some really pretty nice roads and a pretty nice lock and dam down here in Keokuk, and sometimes I think we just kind of take it all for granted. And we think everybody has all these natural resources, including things like Shimmick Forest. But So today I thought I'd just take a couple of minutes to share with you a little bit of history and that is Shimmick State Forest. A lot of people do consider it the jewel of southeast Iowa when it comes to woodlands. And it is located in Lee and Van Buren, excuse me, Lee and Van Buren counties near the towns of Farmington and Kiyosakwa. And the forest actually began as a base for the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC. Do you know about those? No. The CCC? I don't know much about it. Back I mean, in I the thirties. Sure. Back in the thirties, right. yeah. And uh, little, little before my time. I I know, <laughs> right during my time, but a little before. I agree, Gary. But you know, it's really fun to go out there because you can see some of the great cabins that have been built, some of the right. uh, just some beautiful structures that were built during the '30s, and it was basically to encourage people uh, or give people the opportunity to go back to work. Absolutely. Okay. Good, good. program. Good. Um. And really, it was a demonstration planting of hardwoods and conifers that were completed and now provides large stands of large red and white pine, which are scattered throughout with oak and hickory and hardwoods. In fact, I talked with uh, John Bird, who is the state uh, Shimmick forest, uh, forester, and they're doing some timber sales. And right now, it just happens that white oak and uh, walnut are selling at some pretty good prices, very high prices, in fact. Uh, red oak is very inexpensive. In fact, we encourage people not to cut red oak because it is very depressed in price, as is black oak. But uh, anyway, just some interesting points. Iowa gained ownership of the forest and changed the name to honor Dr. Schimmick, who was an early Iowa conservationist and former head of the University of Iowa Botany Department. Did you know that? I did. Oh, good. Now, we'll do a little more, This is, and then we'll get on to work here. But Shimmick State Forest is the largest public forest area in southeast Iowa with over 9,000 acres. Maybe. How many acres in a section? I don't know. Six, I don't mean to put you on them. 640 acres. So that's quite a few sections. Give me that book again. I know. I'm cheating. I have it. <laughs> you have that farmer's handbook. I, I was it hoping, right in the I, back here. I, I thought looking. Gary was going to look that up. The forest is divided into five different units. We have what we call the Farmington unit, which is 2,200 acres. The Lick Creek unit, which is where we're headed to this year, and this is the largest one by far, and this one's 2,800 acres. And then we have the Donaldson unit, that's 1,300 acres. And Croton, and the famous thing about Croton, lots of famous things, they have some wonderful sweet gums that were planted down there. 
But a lot of our young people also would do cross-country runs down at the Croton unit. Many of our schools, um, they would always have a, a couple of runs in that area. And so Croton is about 1,800 acres, and the Kiyosako unit is by far the smallest, and that comes in at 918 acres. Um, again, Chemeke State Forest is managed by the Forestry Bureau of the Iowa Department of Natural Resources, and its sole purpose is to provide timber resources, wildlife habitat, and recreational opportunities. And the primary mission of Iowa State Forests is to demonstrate good, sound forest management principles for multiple use and sustainability. And so it's not a park. And uh, many of our Lee County conservation areas are parks. And people, um, I mean, one of the functions, I don't want to speak for the Lee County Conservation Department, but one of the functions is for recreation and, uh, and to have that park setting. And so a little bit different is the Chemeke State Forest, where we're talking more about sound um, management practices for woodlands and to encourage wildlife habitat um, and also some recreation as well. Um, but I think um, that's why we always have our field day out at Chemeke is because we do demonstrate to other woodland owners how to manage their forests, how to select uh, the highly desirable trees, how to maybe remove some of the brush, and also some of the trees that we're not trying to encourage. And so it's a great setting to do some really good educational work. And that's what Chemeke Forestry Field Day is all about, is teaching good management practices. So 9,000 acres established in the 30s, named after a famous Iowan who also happened to head up the Iowa Conservation Department, or excuse me, the Iowa Conservation and former head of the University of Iowa Botany Department. 1930? 1930s. 30. Okay. And I believe Mr. Schimmick was from the Burlington area, am I correct? I think you are right. On I that. think that's right. Yep. yep, I believe that's correct. So anyway, um, and there's some wonderful handouts that are available, and it talks about camping, and it talks about how to the trails that are available. It talks a lot about hunting and fishing and some very nice maps, and you can either receive those through uh, the uh, Chemeke State Forest if you'd like, or you may also call the Lee County Extension Office, and we'll make sure that you'll get a copy of it. Okay, we're going to take a break here. A word from our sponsors and from Iowa State University. We'll be right back with Let's Get Growing. Ground ivy, or creeping charlie, is a common weed problem in area yards. But today we're going to tell you how you can protect your turf. I'm here at the Iowa Arboretum with Richard Duran from ISU. And Richard, how do you know if you have ground ivy? Uh, ground ivy is a very common perennial weed in lawns and gardens. Uh, as far as the characteristics, it has a, a round or kidney-shaped leaf with scalp margins. It has a square stem. It also produces uh, small flowers in the spring. Uh, they tend to be uh, bluish-purple. Uh, the plants also have a, have a very distinctive odor. Uh, if you crush or bruise the tissue, it has a mint-like odor. Uh, it's very, very common in lawns and gardens. As it grows, it sends out these very slender vine-like stems. And as they grow, they root periodically. So it's a very common weed. Okay. So now that we know what it looks like, how do we get rid of it? Uh, ground ivy is perfectly adapted to a lawn situation. It's low-growing, so it does very, very well in a lawn situation. Uh, as far as controlling it, pulling or digging is simply not very practical or feasible. Uh, herbicides are the best way to control it. Uh, the most effective broadleaf herbicide products are those that contain 2,4-D and triclopyr. Uh, the best time to apply these materials would be uh, basically mid-September through 
early November. Uh, ground ivy is extremely tough to control. It typically takes two applications. Uh, the first application could be in late September, the second one possibly in late October. If you have a situation where the ground ivy is completely overrunning the yard, mm -hmm. essentially it's ground ivy with a little bit of grass, your best course of action may be to simply destroy it and then reseed or resod. Wow, okay. All right, thanks for the tips. And if you would like more information on ground ivy, be sure to log on to gardeningintheZone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. Laura down at Gates AC Company, got a couple things going on here and uh, pretty close to grass seeding time. And uh, of course, Gates AC does the best selection. We can match anything you want. We got the best prices. We really do. And we have the equipment to put it on with free. So see us at Gates AC for your grass seed planting needs. And uh, just got back from a garden show. We've got so much neat stuff coming in. You really have to check us out. And uh, this is Dave's last rain dance. I'll I do guess one more. Gonna be He's going to do one more rain dance for us. Woohoo! All right. So uh, come down and see us at Gate City Seed, 824 Main Street in Keokuk. KSB Insurance is your hometown trusted choice insurance agency dedicated to meeting all of your personal and business insurance needs. Give us a call or stop in at our Keokuk or Burlington location and let one of our friendly agents work with you to save some green on your insurance. KSB Insurance, protecting what matters to you. And we want to welcome everybody back to Let's Get Growing. We've got to wrap things up here. We've got a couple minutes, and we're going to finish up here. So the homework project is, uh -oh, to, is to see if I'm correct about Shimmick being from the Burlington <laughs> area. Probably not. I know Eldo Leopold is I'm from sure that area. I'm sure you get so. plenty of emails. I too. love it. It's yeah. good. And, yeah. and I appreciate that. People email me and say, you know, we Bob. We purposely do that. Exactly. Give out misinformation. That's right. That's right. And I'm not saying that for sure. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we ask our listeners to double check and see where Mr. Schimmick was from. So, Hey, I wanted to share with everyone this morning a really great publication. And Iowa State will not take any credit. It belongs to the Iowa Department of Transportation. It's called their Plant Guide. It is absolutely fantastic. This time of the year, we get lots and lots of questions at our extension office asking us what, these, what, what the different plants are in the roadside, um, what color, you know, the different colored flowers and things. This is an absolutely fan, fantastic plant guide book. It is in a PDF format, and so you can all, if you want to print it, you sure can. But let me share with you, it's about 133 pages long. It talks about Iowa's trees, uh, shrubs wildflowers it is absolutely fantastic and again it's called iowa department of transportation plant guide and again it's about 133 pages long and what's really fun at the back of the book they have lots of amazing plant facts and so here's a couple of things that i'd like to leave everyone with this morning in one day an average tree exhales enough oxygen to keep a family of four breathing for that amazing. day a mature tree can pull one ton of water from the soil each day. This water cools the air through evaporation, evaporation acting as an air conditioner. And young trees absorb more carbon dioxide during growth than older trees. So, take a look. It's a fantastic... You must have been asleep in August. I think you're right. That air conditioning theory. <laughs> you're right, Gary. But we'll have... <laughs> next week we're going to talk more about this, that's for sure, Gary. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the old clock on the wall says we're running just a little late, but uh, we want to thank everybody for being here or for listening uh, each Saturday morning on KOKX AM 1310. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, each Saturday and for uh, 
uh, all the questions and comments and emails and phone calls and everything else. We really do appreciate it. From all of us here at KOKX Studios at 108 Washington, thanks for listening. Thank you.